we are here in the studio today, um, filming actually on this on screens today as well. We are going to be uh, asking our question when we see promises in the Bible of God, particularly providing for us. Uh, how how do we take those? Can we rely on those? Um, we believe in the in the in the truth of Scripture. God promises to provide for us. Can we believe that's actually going to take place? And so. Uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today in the studio. I have uh, with me today um, Ryan Vincent uh, in our adult discipleship area. I also have um, Drew Moss, who is one of our college pastors. And, uh, you know, Drew, we're going to kind of be using you as a little bit of the sounding board for this session because we're uh, jumping off of a comment you made in a sermon a couple of weeks ago, um, which was really helpful, I think, for our people to hear Um the, the complicated nature of dealing with a particular text. The text was Philippians 4.19, where we were in a series. Let me set this up a little bit. We were in a series on generosity. Um, you were describing uh, what would, our, uh, what, what would our, our mission field, what would a missionary, uh, you went from the Apostle Paul as a missionary, what would he say to us about generosity and, um, and, and all of that? You, you went to Philippians 4, a very popular text, and um, um, you found a need to explain something rather in detail uh, in regards to a particular uh, verse. And so that yeah. really kind of caused us to think maybe we need to address this a little bit more. So why don't you take it from here and sure. just kind of walk us through your thought process and maybe even read the verse particularly and um, kind of explain how, how we need to look at this. Okay. We were, uh, we were in Philippians 4, 10 through 20. Um, where Paul is thanking the church there in Philippi for their generosity to him and, and particularly to his work to um, to helping supply some of his needs and providing resources for his ministry and, and caring for him while he's imprisoned. And uh, at the very end of there, in 19, after kind of thanking them, he says in Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in Christ Jesus. My God will supply every need of yours. And it was there that I, I felt like I needed to pause and, and explain that a little more fully because uh, I've seen verses like that, that verse and others used a lot of times to, to make some promises that, that if you give, if you are generous, that God will then come in and supply um, your, I, I've heard supply your desires, that he will bless you. Yeah. Um, he, yeah, he'll pour out blessings on you for giving and for trusting him or even just that he'll supply all your needs. And so I just wanted to pause to, to kind of talk through that a little bit and, and explain a little bit first that we're talking about needs here not just desires or not just what you want, um, but even more than that, to, to pause and... and okay, so think, level one, yeah. you're saying um, the text says that God will supply your needs, not your wants, yeah. not your desires. Yeah, he's not talking about heaping blessings and prosperity okay. and wealth and all those things. But then you didn't leave it there. Yeah. That's where you're going to yeah. go to the next one. So yeah. number one, the text does say he'll supply your needs. doesn't yeah. say wants or desires. Yes. And then you said... That there are, um, just keep in mind that there are, there have been and there still are today Christians who do not have their needs supplied by God. Um, that there so are apparently, <laughs> no, but apparently yeah. contradictory or in contradiction to what the text says naturally, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it My seems, God will it seems to be a problem. Every one of your needs yeah. will supply your every need. Yeah. And you're saying that doesn't happen sometimes. Uh, yeah, I said there are Christians who starve to death in parts of the world, there are Christians who do not get the safety 
that they need the, the, yeah, the shelter or the safety from violent men or, or the medicine that they need, that there are Christians who die without their needs getting met. And that seems to contradict the text. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Upon first reading, that seems to um, contradict the, contradicts what Paul's saying a little bit. And so I, I just felt the need to be able to explain that, to kind of clarify a little bit. And, and there are two things that, that I wanted to touch upon in that. And, and the first is that, you know, aside from the whole we're not talking about wealth and prosperity. Sure. Um, but I want to say that I think there are a number of places in Scripture, and, and Matthew 6, 31 is another one, 31 through 33. 33 is that seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and, and all these things— Food, shelter, clothing will be given to you. He as tells well. us not to worry about these yeah, things. Yeah, don't worry. What will God we will eat? Take what care will of we you. wear? God will take care of you. Um, that there are statements in Scripture that are um, proverbial truths, general truths that we can trust. And I could, I would say, ninety-nine percent of the time, ninety-eight, whatever you want to say, that that really is a true statement. And yet, um, under extreme circumstances, ex- um, kind of outliers on yeah. the spectrum of there, there are times when persecution breaks out. There are times when uh, famine takes place, when natural disasters occur, uh, when, when those things aren't, uh, those things don't take place, when our needs aren't met. And, and that's not saying, that's not, um, that does not mean that that promise has failed. It means that we're in a rare and strange circumstance that does not fit. These promises are met for, yes, in everyday life, you can trust this to be true. In weird and extreme cases, it might not always work out this way, but you can trust this to be true in everyday life. Okay. And then the, the, the second thing that I want to point out is I, I think that Paul actually, if you go back and look at yeah. the famous Philippians 4.13. This is, what I, this is what I really enjoyed about your message because yeah. I, I thought it fit well with the context. Like yeah. you didn't need to travel to another verse. You didn't have to bring in some other interpretive principle. Yeah. You were able to say, let's look at Paul's life. Let's look at what's going on yes. in Philippians yes. 4, yes. right? So. Philippians 4, uh, 12 and 13, as yeah. Paul's talking about this idea that I have been, I, I know what it is to be high up, I know what it is to be low, I know what it is to have, to abound, to have abundance, To I know what it is to be in need, but then he says, I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And I think what Paul, what Paul is saying there is in the context of working on behalf of the kingdom, in the context of doing ministry work, um, no matter where I'm at, even when my needs are not met, that God always supplies the ultimate need, which is the ability, um, the ability to continue in faithfulness and in joy. And in that sense, I think Paul would say God does supply the need, um, that the greatest need that you have. So even in those moments when those basic necessities aren't provided, he, he provides the need you most have, which is himself and the, the strength and ability to remain faithful and, and to even be joyful and content in dire situations, that, that he provides that to us. And that's that since he does provide our greatest needs. So if someone were to come along, I mean, first of all, I agree. I mean, and I, and I really appreciated the fact that in the middle of a generosity series and in the middle of you know, challenging our people to think generously and to trust in God. You have this verse, and so many Christian pastors, um, and they don't have to live in Houston, and they don't have to live in L.A. They don't have to be, you know, they really don't have to be the fancy pastor. Mm-hmm. They, you, you kind of, you cannot give God. I've heard yep. non, yep. non um, health wealth pastors make that same statement. Oh, yeah. Okay, so it, here, here's, I guess, my question: um, What if somebody is saying, dude? So basically, what you're telling me is. 
even when the Bible doesn't do what the Bible says it's going to do, you're going to come up with a way to, <laughs> to, to kind of come up with an excuse for that. Yeah. Um, uh, you know that, and I know you well enough to yes. know that. That's, yes, that's one of your deepest fears, right? <laughs> Is that somehow I'm just making excuses for this? Yeah. So if somebody yeah. were to say that, what how, how would you respond? Just go, okay. So basically, what you're telling me is, I can trust the Bible the majority of the times, and then when I can't really trust it for what it says, I need to understand that in the end, God's got a deeper purpose for me. Yeah. Wow, it just sounds like you're not you're being just covering true with the for him or yeah, something you're covering like that. Up. Yeah, yeah. So how would you respond to that? Well, I, I'd say you know a couple things is. I, I do, like I said, I, I, I want to make sure that I'm not. Am I just, am I just coming up with stuff here to try and make myself yeah. and other people feel better? Yeah. But I really do believe that uh, as I read through the scripture and as I look at it as a whole, that I believe that that God's word is reliable. And so, um, when I step back and look, I go, man, I know this is trustworthy. I know that that God is faithful to do what He says. I know this is reliable. And so, you know. As I, as I examine it as a whole, that leads me to that kind of first premise when I look at smaller verses, mm-hmm. is that God is true to what he says. And so therefore, if something doesn't seem to work, kind of leads me to my next thought is like, then if, if, uh, if a promise doesn't seem to be coming true, then I think that the, the idea is I, I've missed something. I've misunderstood something there. And, and so I, I think I always have to at least ask that question. If it doesn't seem like um, sure. this is true, yep. then why why is the first place I jump to? Well, then then I guess the whole I can trust gone. it. Well, yeah. <laughs> what, what what is there any possibility that myself yeah. as a finite human being might be misunderstanding something or misinterpreting? So I want to ask the question: What other way could this mean? And if and and if I examine it, not just to make myself feel better, but if in context. And if, as I examine it properly and study it, then then another explanation makes more sense. Then I want to go to that. You know, I, I like so. that because I think it's good for us to deal with the critique. Um, I think it's good for us to be honest. Yeah. yeah, we're not we're not just trying to defend this for the sake of defending it, but we are trying to defend it because we see holistically. We see even when yes. you use the word context. Let's remember that you have the original context. Okay, so you have the verse and the verses around it. And then you have the sections around it. And then you have the book around it. And then you have the book, yes. books yes. around it. Yeah. And so context, in the end, becomes the Scripture, the unified yeah. nature, which we believe Scripture to be coming from God, therefore reliable, yes. therefore true. So it has to fit. Yeah. So, as again, as I'm looking at this, there's no way. I cannot read the rest of Paul or anything in Philippians, Paul who's riding in chains as he's doing this, and think it must be talking about how God's going to make everything easy for us and he's <laughs> going to give us health and wealth, right? Sure. It, that one I can throw out pretty easily, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but then even in the context I look, and Paul talks about certain needs going without some needs met sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just end up cold. Sometimes I just end up hungry. And uh, and so as I the more I explore the context of this passage and Paul's life as a whole, the more I go, actually, it doesn't seem like Paul is trying to say that sure. that everything works out all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? It yeah. just seems actually the most natural explanation is that Paul is talking about God supplying something deeper um, than even my physical needs, something bigger than that, which is the ability to um, to face my greatest needs um, with joy and faithfulness. I keep coming back to, you know, you know Ryan. Um, other verses 
that kind of come into play. And Drew, I'm going to let you kind of jump yeah. in on this as well, because this isn't just a Philippians 419 text. And I, you know what else I loved about your sermon? Um, I, I loved the fact that you were dealing with a couple of verses that have always been misapplied. Like yeah. you didn't just jump in and say, man, Philippians 419 is one that's being misapplied yeah. occasionally. You, you began with Philippians 413. Yeah. I can do all things through Christ. So it's interesting that um, when our agenda becomes for ourselves, about ourselves, these verses can be ripped out of context yep. and then yep. we kind of make God the one who failed when we are just misreading and then misapplying his text. Yeah. So Ryan, what uh, like what other verses uh, kind of fit this same issue that that Drew dealt with in, in Philippians four, Philippians four thirteen, Philippians four nineteen? What other verses mm-hmm. are are being misused and misapplied? Okay, um, one example is John ten ten, where it says, uh, "The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full." Many, um, a lot of these you'll you'll find that they're associated with more of the prosperity gospel side of things, but many will look at that verse and, and look at a, a prosperous life now as its intended object. And like that, there's... Well, and the, the, another translation for that word full is abundantly. Yeah, abundantly. And so they kind of think of the abundant life and mm-hmm. they kind of go off in that direction. In a more material direction yeah, than, more, than the verses intended to describe. Yeah, yeah, James four two you do not have because you do not ask God, the implied, <laughs> uh, you know, Misuse of that is that um, whatever you ask God, you can almost back him into a corner simply because you ask is a little bit of how that verse is misused. And notice how with both of these texts and a number of these, they love to use the, we sang this song on Sunday, the good, good father metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, you who have, uh, you as good fathers know how to give good gifts. How much more your heavenly yeah. father, mm-hmm. right? So the text from uh, Matthew and Luke, I want to say, yeah. I think both of them use that text or use that, use that statement. So Jesus promises that we have this father that loves us and cares for us. And, and Drew, don't you spoil your kids? And Ryan, don't you spoil your kids? And so it's, it's, a, it's a logical inference yep. from our experience, and then the texts fit yeah. our understanding of, of, of what a father should be. And then we jump to the conclusion, well, if you know how to do that, then how much more? Mm-hmm. Um, and even looking back at the way that Jesus uses those, those verses, yeah. um, they're usually misapplied as well. What else do you got? I have Mark ten twenty nine and 30, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me, and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. It's a very um, now-oriented promise. Um, this one is, I've never understood how this one can be misconstrued, but apparently it is. <laughs> Galatians three fourteen. he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. It's actually shockingly uh, misappropriated to to talk about blessings like material blessings. Yeah, yeah. Second Corinthians eight nine. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty, so that you through his poverty might become rich. There's there's it's amazing how many there are. John uh, third John two. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and then later on and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Can I I actually jump in on 
that with a couple other things. First is How can like, I say no, Drew? Thank you. Um, <laughs> you're, you're too kind. You said... The, the backlash I would have. No, but truly. <laughs> the backlash I would have. From me. Well, from... Uh, yes, the, thank you. <laughs> speak to us, brother. That's actually... You mentioned these are not just necessarily you know prosperity preachers. Yep, Malachi 3.10 is one I've heard from preachers I respect and, and love. Kind of this idea that... Um, if, if it's a capital campaign type, verse. Yeah, it is. It's a great yeah. capital campaign verse. And and I, I'd actually, I want to throw in a few verses that are not And prosperity. you're not even, hold on, you're not even against using it. Yeah, I think right? that like I can a, use the Malachi text. I yeah. just need to clarify what yep. I'm saying in the right ways. Saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, and and I, I think that this happens in more than just prosperity issues. This mm-hmm. isn't just about physical blessing yep. and abundance, that there are yep. a number of promises that are made in Scripture, or th- that appear to be at least these absolute promises that, that people cling to that can come back and, and bite us, I think. They can come back. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the most common ones is Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And, and that is one, man, I, I know of uh, a friend of mine who, who had a family member um, who, who kind of went off into a life of rebellion and sin, and the family was clinging to that promise. And, and he did not come back around before taking his own life and and really wrestled with that promise. So now the family, um, and this is our concern. Yeah. Now the family has to deal with what's going on. Yes. And, the, mm-hmm. and, let, and I'll use that example. So they're going to have to try to figure out, so did he come back around in a way that we didn't know? And therefore, I think people can still be okay, even if their lives don't want. Now I'm flying in the face of a bunch yes. of scriptures, right? Yes. Because I need to resolve yes. my understanding of that Proverbs yes. And this is, this is totally different than people twisting verses to say that they're going to get rich. Yep. Yes. This yep. is honest, earnest people going, man, I'm coming to the word and trying to cling to the truths given to me here. Mm-hmm. And what do I, this is not trying yeah. to manipulate something. This is just like, this is what the Bible says. And I want to hold to this, yep. right? Second yep. um, Chronicles seven fourteen. if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Um, a, yeah. a big kind of national day of prayer type verse that mm-hmm. is that is used a lot. And again, not even that's not even like people just trying to how can we work the system to get rich. That's a those are earnest people yes, praying yes. for God. Well to, intended. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who've been called according to His purpose. Uh, one of the more famous ones, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares Yahweh, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Mm-hmm. And there are, just, I mean, you just Google, <laughs> I, I Googled Bible promises, and there are websites devoted to the promises yeah. of Scripture, yeah. yep. and they are just verses upon verses of promises made in Scripture. So. Yeah. And, I, you know, so much of what we're trying to do, and, and let's kind of, for now, let's kind of push the ones that are manipulating it, the ones that are trying to, yeah. Um, for whatever reason, like, and I do, I, I believe there is, um, there is a, <laughs> there is an evil in this, mm-hmm. right? There really is. There's greed. Paul wouldn't, mm-hmm. Paul speaks very strongly in the pastoral epistles about the need to avoid greed. Yeah. And many will distort the gospel so that they might become Godliness rich. is a means of, uh, yes, uh, of, of gain, of, of great gain, gain of, stuff, of financial yeah. gain. And so let's be honest. I mean, that's one of the concerns that, that we have. But then beyond that, it's that's there's a greater concern that I have for the well-intended people mm-hmm. yes. who are sitting in our pews every day. I mean, I, I've had a chance to, to, to listen recently to a number of people, you know, it's graduation time and 
it's fascinating to hear other Christians just verbalize their journey of faith, and they naturally talk about the times where God didn't come through like he should have. Mm. And it's like the most normal statement. Um, you know, like, man, I went through this time, and even though God has always promised me this, he didn't do it. But, you know, I, I learned to trust him anyway. Mm. Thinking... <laughs> I, I know what you're saying. And it sounds incredibly virtuous to yes. say that. Yes. God failed me, and you know what? I'm willing to be patient with him. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I think what, what you said is, is absolutely bananas. Yeah. Like it's absolutely, yeah. well, it's, it's, it's blasphemous. I mean, if we were to use the right term, mm. yeah. is it not blasphemous mm-hmm. to make those statements? Mm. It's but, condescending to him. Yeah, yeah, to him. <laughs> It's okay oh. when he condescends to me, but when I condescend to him, like, again, I've, I've, I, you've heard me guys have go off on this recently, um, dealing with different biblical texts, when people say, yes, God disappointed me. He's disappointed me many times. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the truth is that even when God isn't trustworthy, I am still faithful to him. Hmm. I, I don't even know what to say to that, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what to say to that. And I think as preachers, we slip into some of that, and then no wonder there is a lack of trust in God or a mm-hmm. lack of ability to lean upon his promises, you know? And I would even say, Drew, I, I wouldn't change a word you said, but when we even say, um, without further clarification, and I, what I loved about your message is you, you did clarify. You did kind of, I walked mm-hmm. away going, okay, he explained it. Yeah. But when we say, you know, you can trust God's promises 94% of the time, and then you leave it. Yes, yes. <laughs> Probably not a good way to end it because yeah, that's yeah. not what you're saying. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, we can tr- I think we, we I think what Drew is saying is we can trust our understanding, our perspective on his promises 94, 95% hmm. of the time. Hmm. God never when 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 Paul says something like that in Philippians 4, should Paul die in prison, God has not failed a truth from Philippians 4. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, Paul would never even think. I mean, maybe he would think, but he would probably repent of it, or at least he should. If he didn't, he would be wrong. Um, God is never faithless. No. Right. God is always faithful. And so that has to be our primary premise. And I don't, I think we're losing that in our, in mm-hmm. our, in our, in our church culture. Mm-hmm. I think we are looking at circumstances and they're not even that rough for us. I mean, the other problem is, is that here we are doing incredibly well. Um, in, in, we, we, there is an abundance in our lives. Yeah. There is mm-hmm. like this extravagance in our lives. And I'm, I'm hearing extravagant Christians describe God as not being faithful because of a difficult time they had mm-hmm. in their lives mm-hmm. and, 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 and describing it in incredibly virtuous terms and how patient they were with God. And I don't even know if they mean it that way, but I, I do think there is a, 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 a subtle, um, miss communication mm-hmm. is, is it, it deeply concerns me yeah so, so why why couldn't you let this go drew i mean maybe you know you talked about it a little bit yeah. but so what what are some of the of the bigger issues you'd mentioned the promises is there yeah. anything else you want to add to that part of it i just want to make sure our people realize we're not trying to just yeah be picky yeah yeah we we really do our our heart is to uh help people better understand the faithfulness of God and that he is true to his word and that when we understand it properly, like you can trust what he says to be true. Um, I started thinking through, you know, this, I started reading through this list of verses early and I started thinking through like, what are the ways, I think this is helpful for our people to, to be able to understand 
how to interpret this. And, mm-hmm. and when we get mm-hmm. sideways on these and mm-hmm. when it feels like God has failed us, I'm sure there are more ways. But but as I can think of it, there are three different ways to misinterpret statements in Scripture as though they're promises. In the last time you are. did this, Gunger I think, <laughs> took offense to your list of three things. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. for the record. Yep. So I, I, I like it. I love the okay. list that you do. Yep. Gunger, not so much. If, but listen, if, if, if Ryan will just not tweet him after I say yes, these Ryan, things, do then not we'll tweet be... Gunger on this one. I'll tweet Joel as <laughs> Oh, good. I don't, yeah. I don't even think. I, and again, I'm not meaning this negatively. I don't know if he knows what Twitter is. No, probably not. Okay. Go ahead, Drew. Oh. Tell me the three things. I, I think we get sideways when we, um, like we, we fail to understand uh, statements and scriptures promises when we do one of three things. And the first is we take like a proverbial truth and turn it into an absolute promise. So this mm-hmm. is train up a child in the way that he will go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. That is, that's in the genre of wisdom literature and yeah. Proverbs, yeah. which is designed to give us general truths. And that yep. is generally true. Yep. Honestly, you, you train up a child in the way he'll go 95% of the time or whatever you want to say, most of the time that he will not depart. He'll, he'll maintain that. He'll not depart mm-hmm. from that. Um, but the, the Proverbs aren't written to us to give us guarantees or, yeah. or this will always equal this, a formula. Sure. They're written to give us wise idea, wise thoughts, yep. um, mm-hmm. and, and wisdom to kind of follow. And yep. so when we, when we take a proverbial truth and we make it an absolute guarantee, we're going to miss something. We're, we're misapplying the genre. And it's going to mess us up, you know. And 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 I would even challenge: it's not just in Proverbs. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I, mean, that's, I think it that's, definitely is in Proverbs. But there are other wisdom books. Matthew mm-hmm. is a wisdom book. James is a wisdom yes. book. I think yeah. that's Jesus' statement in in Matthew six. Yes. Seek first the kingdom, yeah. and all these things will be yeah, given to you. I think those are that's a proverbial truth. Sure. Um, the other one is. To when we misdefine what the promise is. Yeah. So I love Romans eight twenty eight. We know that in all things, or yeah, that God works for the good of all uh, those who love him. Actually, I'll read it because I want to read the verse after it. Okay. Um, Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And, and the, pro- the, the problem is there is misunderstanding that word good. Yep. And and we think, well, I lost my job. God will work all things for the good, which means he's going to get me a, a better job. Oh, yeah. Um, or my fiance dumped me, and so God's going to bring someone a, a better fiance. Better, God a better, a better yeah. wife. Yeah, so yep. that's that's yep. misapplying the good. But the, the verse right after that is, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And so Paul, in the verse right after that, <laughs> defines the good, yes. which is that he's going to make you more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and that is 100% true 100% of the time. And think about it, who endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down. I mean, the picture that Paul gives of Jesus is not one who was blessed with this incredible life, but was who was a blessing and had to endure these things. He had to learn yes. obedience. Yes. I mean, so the Bible describes Jesus and the great people of faith as going through this 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 pain, this agony, this lack of abundance, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, in order to learn godliness. Yes, yeah. yes. And then the third is when we take um, actual promises that are made, but they are made to a specific people in a specific time and place, yep. and we try to make those universal for us. So that's the Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, which are promises made to the people of Israel in exile, in captivity at the time and that God's plan. I'm, he's telling this specific people, I'm going to work things out for you. I'm going yeah. to 
brings people back. Or even the second Chronicles 714, if my yeah. people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, I'll turn, I'll heal their land. Mm-hmm. But this is the idea of the people of Israel, God's people as a whole, a yep. whole nation turning to him and 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 that's not we're not saying don't pray for America. <laughs> but we do pray for America pray for and America. trust that yeah. God will do these things. But but when uh, his promise is not to bless America, uh, his promise is not to bless any particular country. He's talking about a people of God, Israel, there um, um, that were supposed to be fully devoted to them. And if if they were as a nation fully devoted to him, then he was going to do a work in that sure. in that group. So, well, and honestly, <laughs> what I'd love to think through is like let's, if we were to take this and say, okay, um, I've been part of prayer gatherings where we are God's people who are called by his name and we gather together and we do everything that that text wants Mm -hmm. and it doesn't seem to happen. Yeah. So then what's wrong? I mean, I I love to ask that question. Like, did we not do it? Well, you know, no, no, no. Explain to me like why, why isn't, well, there's not enough of us. Oh, okay. So how many do we need? Well, it's, it doesn't, okay, no, tell me how it works. Mm -hmm. I love to ask those questions Mm -hmm. and would really challenge you. Those who are listening right now, to think through, like, what does the real interpretation leading to a natural application of that verse, like, what are you really expecting? Mm-hmm. I can do all things through Christ who live, who gives me strength. Mm-hmm. So do you think that you can, next next semester, uh, or next, next, next season, like, join the Thunder? Never playing basketball, but you believe you can do that. Mm-hmm. Is, that what you, is that what you mean? And the more that you kind of deal with the specifics... I believe you'll be able to think through, if you have a good understanding of the whole counsel of Scripture, what you really mean by that. And that's why I love to ask that question when people want to give me a promise or want me to hold on to a promise. I love to ask, like, so tell me what you mean. And what I find so quickly is they don't know what they mean. They're just trying to make me feel good, which I can appreciate. I can appreciate you're trying to give me an encouraging word. Mm -hmm. But when you misuse the Scriptures to try to give me a promise loosely— Either I'm going to just think they said have a good day, and it it really didn't mean anything, mm-hmm. okay? Or if I was if I truly was a skeptic, I would go, man, that 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 doesn't mean that what you just said to me, Drew, doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and that's the danger. Yeah. Well, I want to make sure we get to this too, because you decided in that in that sermon, <laughs> and and I appreciate your heart on this because you know, um, we want to be careful of how we speak out against um, other brothers uh, or possible brothers or sisters in Christ, um, especially in a day and age when everything we say is on the internet and therefore everybody has access to it, and we don't want to be those guys that are running around and being the thought police. For everybody else. And I don't mean that from like an American standpoint that we have the right or the freedom to speak and freedom. Of, no, I'm just talking about we need to be careful and be gracious and be gentle and be kind when there a brother has made another statement. But you in the message, you called out Joel Olstein, and you basically said, you know, what he is preaching is 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 wrong and it's yeah. dangerous. I think it's the word wicked. The, I, wicked. I use the okay. word, yeah. yeah, use the word wicked, which is strange coming from you because yeah. you're one of the most gentle, kindest people that I know. And then afterwards, I'm, I'll let people know. Afterwards, sure. Drew came up to me and said, "Hey, did I step over a line there?" And I really did appreciate his heart because he's he's trying to honor God. He's trying. Drew is trying to figure out what to do, and yet you felt a compulsion to say something. Walk. 
walk us through a little bit why. You, yeah. you, I know you. You don't hate Joel Olstein. Sure. You, I don't know if you hate anybody, sure. which we can talk about <laughs> in another podcast that Drew needs to be a little more... Uh, what, but I, anyway, the so warriors, tell me what, yeah, the Golden State Warriors. Um, <laughs> sorry, oh, that's good. Um, yeah, so honestly, I thought a little bit more of it, about it on 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 the back end of the sermon. On the front end, here was kind of my thinking. It was a little bit more practical. Is and that, it was intentional. You didn't just come up with. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I was. I know I, some I, pastors that'll just come up with stuff and say it. And yeah, it drives me crazy. No, I <laughs> I intentionally planned. Uh, to use it because I, I'm talking through 419 and saying that there are there are some who will use this verse to say that God is going to promise blessing or prosperity on you. And I really did. I wanted to make that concrete, that this isn't just kind of an idea, that there are actual preachers using this verse to say things. And so yeah. so I, I, I used an actual quote from Joel Osteen about this specific verse to talk about how God is going to take you from not enough to more than enough. Yeah. And, yeah. and he's willing to just... Um, put his touch of prosperity in your life and bless you beyond your wildest dreams and those things. And so I wanted for, for them to see, you know, this is, this is real. They're, they're actual people using this verse and twisting it for yep. their own purposes. Yep. And we want to be, we yep. want to be careful of the, uh, about that. We want to be aware of those things. And so we can um, think against them. And, and, and on the back end, as I've been thinking about it after preaching it, you know, should I have done that? Should I not have? Uh, I'll be honest, I haven't told you this. The, what, what started in me is I had, I had a friend come up to me afterwards and say that they were not, um, that they were not real comfortable with me doing that, with me calling out a brother. Uh, in in Christ, or like publicly, publicly, and and I didn't I didn't lose sleep over it. You guys know my ability to lose sleep over oh, things, yeah. but oh, I did yeah. I didn't lose sleep over it. But I did I did think yeah. I wanted to pause and go. Was there something there? Should Good. I have? And which I love about you. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, that's it. It really is something we all need to be able to stop. Yes. and Go. Man, let's be careful. Yes, no. because this person didn't come complaining. They came yeah. with a humble spirit. They yeah. came with a. They just said, "I'm just not comfortable with us calling out." other brothers in Christ publicly um, by name. And so that, that's what got me thinking about it. But um, a, a, as I've thought through it, as I've kind of read through some stuff and as I've talked, I am increasingly more comfortable with, with, my, um, with my decision to do that. And, and one is because of the public nature of Joel Osteen's ministry. Sure. Um, you know, I, I think the more public a person's statements are, yeah. um, the more up they are for public critique. Yeah. And, yeah. and specifically... Um, guys like Joel Osteen and, and Joyce Meyer and a lot of people on, say, like the TBN network, there are a number of brothers and sisters in parts of this country and especially around the world who do not have the amount of resources that we have um, when it comes to studying the Word of God and those things. Yeah. Um, yep. But get satellite broadcasts of Joel Osteen's sermons and, and Joyce Meyer and other people's into their, into their countries or into their homes. And like a lot of people who do not have the resources we have, this is some of their primary teaching they're getting is from these things. And so I think I, when it is increasingly public, worldwide public, I think it is um, accepted and, and okay for us to make some public comments on that. I don't want to stand up and rail on yep. somebody every week, yep. but I think it's okay to do those things. And the second thing is, you know, I feel a, if, if someone were to say about my wife, hey, if you go say hi to Amy, she's going to give you $100. Anyone who goes and says hi to Amy is going to give you $100. What would happen is that people around town would start to get um, unfairly 
angry with my wife <laughs> because they go up and say hi and and not get Nothing. their hundred bucks and Nothing. hey just I was a smile told, yeah <laughs> and I was told that she was going to give me a hundred bucks every time I said hi to her and somebody's making a promise on her that's causing I feel like she owes me three hundred bucks yes, like that's what yes. they're going to be thinking yeah and it, it causes people to question her integrity and if someone were to do that I would feel a responsibility to stand up and say what that person is saying is not true. Yeah. Don't trust them. Yeah. And I feel the same about God. If people are making promises on behalf of God that he did not make, I feel like it is, it is um, a responsibility to be able to stand up and call that out and say, mm-hmm. well, don't, don't trust that person. Don't listen to that person to, to stand up and defend God's integrity and his faithfulness. Yeah. And so that, that really is what motivated a lot of that. It's, it, you know, and I, I want to I be careful that we don't feel like I have to defend God like he is in need of yeah. my defense. Yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, I am called by, by, by Jesus, by the apostles, um, to hold to the faith that has been handed mm-hmm. down. I am called and, to defend against inappropriate, untrue things that are yeah. actually said about him. And, and Paul, Paul and other writers, they, in the scripture, they call out false teaching, and even Paul drops names. Oh, yeah. Paul mm-hmm. calls out names yeah. When, yeah. when people are maligning the faith, when yeah. people are steering people away from what is true. He doesn't mind saying... Um, steer clear of these people. You know what I mean? So, Ryan, anything on, you know, particularly on the other one, so those that are misusing these texts, um, for someone that would never even possibly lose sleep over uh, some such a simple, innocuous statement that Drew gave, um, <laughs> any other advice you want to give to that? I mean, you, 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 love to, you love to hold up to the truth. You don't like to hurt people. Yeah. But you have a, you know, this is something I believe God has even put in you um, to do it. Uh, you know, you you really feel the need to correct, yeah, like wrongness in, in yeah. doctrine and in, in application of Christian doctrine. You know, if it, if it were a Joel Osteen situation, the the only the only uh, agenda I would have is the protection of the people that are my responsibility. For a man, I just looked; he's far and away the number one religious podcast in the world, and it's not even close. Um, so he has a tremendous amount of influence in our, in this particular area where we've been called to guide and shepherd people and to, um, to, to whatever degree, take some responsibility for their formation and their sanctification and their growth and maturity. And that is an enormous um, wrench in the engine of, yeah. of yep. sanctification. And so if, uh, if it needs to be done publicly, then it needs to be done publicly. And if it were someone local... Um, I would have to weigh whether or not I'm going to call them out publicly, and that's a that's a stickier question because the influence would necessarily be lower. But the other reason, so not only the protection of the people um, that I'm responsible to, but the other the other reason I would have is their own um, sanctification and need to repent. Sure. Joel Osteen will never hear my voice. I'm convinced he will die one day and having never heard Ryan Vincent's voice, and he'll probably never hear Drew rebuke him. Yeah. So we don't have any sort of clout. And he knows him. these rebukes are being made. Like, let's be honest. Yes, it's he's not like very he aware. No, it's not like he's going. Wow, seriously? Like, you, I, I might be getting Philippians four nineteen wrong. No, yeah. no, no. He thinks he's right on it. Now, if you go to the to the website of his church and his ministries, he's his um, statement of faith and his mission statements and all these things that he puts out. You can tell he is aware that what he says is is heavily critiqued in certain circles. Oh, sure. Sure. Um, but no, I think the primary agenda when you do these things is the um, 
an affection for God that should far outweigh any affection for a fellow man. Like I love every one of you and I would do anything for every one of you guys right here. But should you start to slander the reputation of the Lord? Again, he doesn't he does not need my defense, but I'm neither will I sit around and just let him be slandered. And I'm not going to lay hands on you. I can't imagine that it would get that far, yeah, yeah. but I will I will do everything I can to insist that you change yeah. your ways and repent and probably that after I have protected those you might be influencing wrongly. Yeah. And yeah, it's interesting and I don't want to always I don't want to use this as an excuse because you have to be careful going, well they do this in the Bible. Um so be careful using that, but we we say that in other areas. Hey, look at the examples of the early church. Hey, look at the examples of what Paul did and what Jesus did. We should follow that example. Yeah. Okay, I agree with you. They did name names. Yeah. And I, I think so much of what's happening in our own culture is the only one we are very comfortable with in terms of slandering um, and, and then kind of letting him handle it is God. Mm-hmm. Like I just, you know, I, I don't know the person you're describing. So, uh, Drew, the, the one that came to you with the best of intentions. And, and, and I get where they're coming from. I don't go, I can't believe they said no, that. Yeah, no, yeah, totally. I totally understand where they're coming from. Yeah. You know, I think my response back would be, so how do you feel when Joel Olstein makes these these inappropriate comments about God. Are you, how offended are you? And just not to prove a point, not to defend yourself, but just to say, you know, if I made you feel uncomfortable by, by, by saying the truth, um, tell me how when Joel Olstein says inappropriate things or whoever, right. Mm -hmm. Says inappropriate things about God. How do you feel there? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, that, that's an important Mm -hmm. piece. It should disturb us a little bit that most or many men would take far more offense if I said something about their wife than if I incorrect about their wife than yeah. if I did about God. Yeah, both are wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah. Uh, we we're quick to defend our spouses. Yep. But we are slow to defend God in many in many cases. Okay, man, I, I appreciate you guys. What a privilege to be. Uh, you know, you know what I love is we could have had a number of different pastors on staff. All of our pastors yeah. on staff kind of share the same convictions and the same the same thing. Um, let's learn how to uh, speak accurately about God and truthfully about him. Let's make sure that we're not promising in an inappropriate way uh, things about God or for God um, because it actually matters. I love the analogy that when we write checks for God, he is not obligated to cash them. He's mm-hmm. only obligated to cash the promises or the quote-unquote checks um, that he has signed, and he never... He never comes up, you know, insufficient funds ever, mm-hmm. ever, 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 ever. Um, and the last thing I want to add to this whole thing, and I'll say it quickly, is we don't understand, even when we talk about they're their on the extreme cases, right? Um, there is a communal aspect to a lot of these things. The Jeremiah twenty nine eleven text, mm-hmm. for example, is not talking about a particular person. We want to apply it personally, mm-hmm. but he is talking to the people of Israel there. And he is saying, listen, the, the people of Judah, you're going to stay in that land and you're going to die in the land. So you might as well just, you're not coming home. You're going to learn your lesson. Mm-hmm. And so for 70 years, you're going to be there. So you're not, you're not taking my punishment very well. Mm-hmm. And what I want you to do is to settle in and to pray for the, pray for that city and to pray for that land. Um, and I will bring another people out mm-hmm. from you. I will bring them out, but you're not coming home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the plans he has for them. The context of Jeremiah 29, 11 is taking the punishment that God has given to your people as a whole and to realize that God's promises, and this is a key thing, God's promises are not just to Jim, they're to us. Mm-hmm. 
and I and hear me, I get them. They're just as true to Jim, but they are they are true to us as the people of God. And I think sometimes we forget that God's got so much going. You know, it's not too much for Him. So hear me, I'm not asking you to feel sorry for Him, but if you just think for a moment, what is God doing in the world? And everything is under His sovereign control. Mm-hmm. And to think somehow that I'm going to get what I want, and everything's going to begin to bend around me and my circumstances. It, it just doesn't seem to make sense. So thank you guys for reminding me of that. I uh, hope you've enjoyed uh, this this podcast, and uh, uh, hopefully in the next few weeks we'll have another one to, to, to let you enjoy.